Vince, it's true. If you go outside this building right now, there's people from PETA and animal rights. They're outside. They've got signs. They say Vince McMahon hates animals. I don't hate animals. I, Vince, I, you hate animals. It's just the way you are. You hate animals. I love animals. No, Vince, you hate dogs. I don't hate dogs. I love dogs. No, you hate dog cats. Dog. I love cats. You hate horses. No, I don't hate you horses. You hate goats. I don't hate you goats. You hate roosters. I don't hate You horses. hate cocks. I love You know, I don't want to be all judgmental, you know, but this is sick. It's sick and wrong. Listen, women listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. It's cracking, Kate Rambo. Uh, not much. We have in-studio guest Chi-Chi here as well. He is uh, currently land-sealing on the floor. Yeah, he's kind of lying on his back like that. It's weird. Oh, he is. Oh, he just did a little trill. He's excited. <laughs> he's probably excited because that's a sports weekend this weekend. Chi-Chi's not a sports boy. He's a ladies' man. It's Chi-Chi's first NFL playoffs. He, Chi-Chi doesn't care for American football. Uh, have you... Have you picked a favorite team yet because well, it's your first nfl playoff too yeah obviously i have to go with the lions uh the underdogs but I'm hopefully never... i was hoping you'd pick the lions i have to pick the lions i think a jet would maybe kill me and set me on fire if i didn't this is like this is probably more important than jer's wedding I, this is the happiest <laughs> event he downplays it and he says that he loves ozzy more but he really you can tell I he think this is more. as significant as the birth of his firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> so the Lions are in the fucking playoffs. You know, this is their first multi-game playoff run since 1991. Okay. And they're aiming for their first ever Super Bowl appearance, which is insane if you think about it, because they've been around longer than the Super Bowl has been around. Well, how many other teams have never made it to the Super Bowl? So Detroit's the only NFC team, because there's two conferences, NFC and AFC. They're the only NFC team, and one of four teams overall, along with the Browns, Jaguars, and the Texans, to never reach a Super Bowl. But out of those four teams, how many of them have been bought and sold and moved? So are the Detroit Lions the only team that has never moved out of Detroit? The, the Browns have always been. The Browns have always been in Cleveland. I think the Jaguars are a relatively new team. I don't think i'm not i'm not entirely clear whereas the texans used to be the oilers so i know they've been they're Bond a different sold. team it's retarded what yeah they're, they're football. but i mean they're still in texas the houston oilers and i think the texans are also in Houston. yeah but it's like what's the point in being a fan of a team here because next year your team could move to like halfway across the country what's the point it's rare that that happens it doesn't happen all that often but new teams do come along like the jaguars are I think they're relatively new. I don't know enough about football to know that, but I do know that Detroit's only one of four teams that have never, that have never been to the Super Bowl. Bless and them. The, and the Browns and uh, Detroit have been around about the same, same amount of time. Yeah. So, but the you know, Jaguars and Texans, I think, is a little more, um, um, that makes a little more sense why they haven't been to the Super Bowl. Uh, the closest they came to playing in the Super Bowl was in 91. Uh, they went 12-4 and four that year, which is similar to their record this year, and they reached the NFC Conference Championship. Uh, that was back with Barry Sanders and Chris Spielman, but they were defeated 41-10 in 
by uh, the Super Bowl champions that year, the Washington Redskins. Who's Red- Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders was this amazing uh, running back for uh, Detroit back then. But the team wasn't strong enough to for oh, them to win. Oh, I've seen, yeah, we've looked at pictures of Barry Sanders because we were thinking about getting one of, that's Jair's favorite player, isn't it? From back in the day. From back in the day, everybody yeah. loved that guy. Um, but the Lions now have a chance to snap the longest Super Bowl appearance drought in the league with this win over the 49ers. And you know what's funny is the last time the Lions won on the road postseason was in 1957 when they went to Kizar Stadium in San Francisco and beat the Niners. And that's what they're doing well, this week. Not in Kizar Stadium because they have, a new, they have a new field now. But yeah, they're going to, you know, tomorrow they're going to be playing the Lions um, in uh, their new stadium in, uh, in uh, South San Francisco. So it should be good. I mean, this should be, um, this, this should be, I mean, this is like a monumental moment for a Lions fan. And that's the thing with the Lions, which, I mean, I think a lot of people who know football would understand this, but they're a difficult team to root for. And the only reason I like the Lions is because I grew up in Michigan and they're the, the only football team in Michigan. And, you know, I saw a couple of Lions games, but they never won. I mean, they had a winless season in like, what was that, like 2010? I would rather root for the Lions than for Liverpool any, any day. <laughs> <laughs> Different sport, but I understand where you're coming from. Well, on one that. of them I is appreciate the sentiment. Sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. NFL football. Uh, no. Um, but here, I'm going to tell a quick story about like the dedication of the Lions fans. So back when I was in high school, we used to buy weed from this guy. I don't want to say his full, his full name. I was saying Ben. No, his name was Ben. Oh, okay. And uh, Ben dropped out of high school, I think, when he was a sophomore, and he just worked out as like a butcher. And uh, anyway, he lived in this like shitty little adobe house with his... Um, I I want to say they all slept in the same room, but I'm not quite sure. What's an adobe house? Brits won't know. It's like know adobe, an adobe clay. House. It's like a clay house. How does that exist in like? What's that like in the winter? Does it not just? I like, have disappear? no idea because I've never went into his house. In the well, I think we were always in. I never actually went into his house. I was only in the in his Is garage. Is it shaped weird? In my mind, it's shaped like a titty. No, it's not like an igloo. It's like a it's a regular you know square house, a rectangular house, but it's just made of clay. Like adobe clay. I mean, you find that out here in New Mexico. Yeah, that makes sense in the desert. But yeah, in Michigan, it's very weird. Yeah. It is weird. And I think, you know, obviously, is, he didn't come from a lot of money. But anyway, we used to buy weed from him, and we'd go to his garage. And every, every day, or every time we went there, especially during uh, you know, the NFL season, you'd always, and the whole garage was Lions. Lions pennants, Lions jersey. He always wore Lions jersey. He's just a huge Lions fan. Sounds like Jeff. And so one day, I remember me and Kessler over there, and we're hanging out. And uh, he was the type of guy, like, you couldn't just go buy weed and leave. You had to go there and at yeah. least smoke a joint with Ben yeah, and kind of listen to there. him talking about his conspiracies. <laughs> he definitely, I guarantee he's MAGA. But anyway, he was sitting there, and like we got there and uh, went to go buy weed, and Ben's face was just like, I mean, it looked like he had been in a horrible car accident. Like, his eyes were all swollen. His face was black and blue. He had, like, cuts all over his, like, neck and his arms. We're like, dude, what happened to you? He's like, went to a Lions game. It's like, that happened to you in the stands of the Lions game? He's like, no. He's like, uh, so the Lions punted and the game ball like landed in the stands. And typically what happens is you give it back. You're not, you're not like baseball. In football, if, you get a, if a ball lands in the stands, you have to give it back. Okay. But Ben Bergman is a big fat ass. And so he took the ball and he hid it under his jersey. And so they couldn't find the ball, so they just got another one and kept playing, on the, playing with the game. But these ruffians saw him do that. 
And so after, after the game was done and he was walking to his car in the parking lot, they jumped him, like three dudes. And instead of giving up the ball, he said he just like curled up on it and just held it tight while they kicked him in the face, stomped on him, and beat him until you know, people stopped it from happening. And he kept the ball. And he opened up his safe. He had a lion safe, like a blue lion safe. Opened it up, and there was the ball. Was it just a regular football, though? Yeah, not signed by anyone or anything. It was just this regular football. And he's like, you could see my blood on it. So that's, that's the significance <laughs> of this game tomorrow. Do you think he'll be sat there cradling his ball? <laughs> his bloody ball from his 1991 ball. or 1990. I think it was 91. I think it was this year when they uh, made it to the postseason. But yeah, this is a pivotal moment for the Lions and Lions fans. So I know Jer... I think Jerry would have done the same thing. He would have protected the ball at all costs. Well, good luck to everyone in Michigan <laughs> tomorrow. In other sports news, big news this week, Vince McMahon, the ringmaster, WWE founder. He's the founder, right? Uh, no, he's not the founder. He's not the founder, but he's no. definitely like CEO of, uh, former CEO of WWE. He made it what it is. He resigned from his role as executive chairman of TKO, the parent company of WWE, following disturbing allegations of sexual assault, trafficking, and physical abuse. So whether you've been in a cave, I'm sure you've heard about this. It's been going viral, especially um, uh, some <laughs> of the more juicier tidbits. But uh, Vince McMahon was the co-founder of WWE, and he's been accused of sex trafficking in a new lawsuit filed by Janelle Grant, who is a former employee at WWE's headquarters. Some of the more salacious allegations include Grant claims Vince McMahon abused and sexually exploited her and trafficked her to other men who were also working for the WWE. Um, part of the sexual abuse included Vince McMahon defecating on her head during a threesome with another man. It just sounds like a storyline. Like, it just sounds like a Vince McMahon storyline. God, I hope it's true. Uh, Grant also claims in the suit that McMahon and another WWE executive locked her in an office and took turns sexually assaulting her. Uh, she said she signed a non-disclosure agreement two years ago, and McMahon agreed to pay $3 million to keep her quiet. Uh, federal prosecutors have been investigating the payouts and executed a search warrant last year on McMahon's phone. And a lot of these text messages have also been going viral. They're funny. Yeah, it, they're hilarious. So this week on the show, we're going to do some top-notch, sick-and-wrong investigative reporting, like we always do, uh, to determine whether there is any truth behind these allegations against Vince McMahon. Because... Kay Rambo thinks it's all a fairy tale. No, I certainly believe it happens. It happened. But at the same time, the burden of proof is on her to prove that she wasn't in a consenting, consensual relationship. And by the fact that she willingly took money, she willingly took gifts, and she also had threesomes with him, I think it's like, it's going to be interesting, very interesting and caught, is what I think. Because it's not open and shut. It's not like Weinstein where they were like, his dick was disgusting. This woman enjoyed McMahon's dick numerous occasions. I think this woman was forced to endure McMahon's dick. And I think that will be proven in court or there wouldn't even be a lawsuit. But before we get into all of that, let's chat about the auditory equivalent of a brown shower. Oh my the sick and wrong patrons. <laughs> so if you listen to this uh, morally reprehensible program every week, then all we ask 
is for you to sign up to the Sigrong Patron or Apple Podcasts and uh, support the show a bit. I mean, we've been doing this show a, lo- uh, a very long time, like 18 years almost. And uh, we rely on you, the audience, specifically for, uh, for, for um, funding the show. I mean, it's, we pay out of pocket. We're not sponsored. We're not on any kind of network. I don't think we ever will be on any network, considering Just, our content. And what we talk about, <laughs> ring pieces. So we, we re- rely entirely on crowdfunding. So we ask you uh, to, to give a little and support this show and keep it sick and wrong. It's only five bucks a month. That's it. For $5, you get access to the Sick and Wrong Second Show, which is a complete second show we do every week. Uh, this week, we chat about uh, Kate's newfound passion for the Lions and NFL football in general. No. <laughs> Uh, we also talk about the movie Poor Things versus Saltburn. Oh, like, can we not talk about that? Like, I'm so sick of talking about Saltburn now. I'm just, I think it's shite. Like, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Kate really hated Saltburn. It's shite. In particular, the bathtub scene. Oh, look, right. Which if is... you think drinking spunk <laughs> is offensive and it offends you, grow the fuck up. Like, we've all tasted spunk. Which is something Kate can relate to personally. <laughs> Uh, we also cover a story about a eunuch maker case where a male escort was jailed for removing a man's genitals. And that man was not Vince McMahon, or was it? <laughs> You're going to have to listen to the second show to find out. $5 a month, you get access to Sick and Wrong on Patreon, um, and as well as access to uh, the official Sick and Wrong Discord. Um, you don't even need to sign up to Patreon, though. As I mentioned before, you can go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to Second Show that way. Just two different ways to support us. I also posted the first six years of Sick and Wrong on Apple Podcasts. So just do a search for Sick and Wrong, and then you can subscribe to the archives. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. We do appreciate the support. So let me play this quick promo, and then let's find out whether Vince McMahon really took a love dump on a woman's head. <laughs> Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not a Sick and Wrong patron, then you might be missing out on special phone calls like this one. I bought a speculum from Amazon. Oh, my God. Um, I get this fucking thing, and it's not the best made thing ever. Uh, I should have saved this for the main show. (laughs) This is also experimenting sexually together. Buying a speculum is not experimenting sexually. That's being like... That's me- for medical use. There's, there's, there's you know, no point. If I was at a man's house and he says, let's do something kinky, baby. And I was like, yeah, I'm really up for that too. Let's do it. And then he rocked out a fucking speculum. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why do you want to see my cervix? I want to see what you got it? in there. Let's go spelunking. <laughs> I mean, you fucking you know, put the... Every I'm, woman has a fear of a speculum. No woman goes, oh, yeah, baby, put that speculum in. It's like an what, uncomfortable What the fuck? Experience. Is he, like, role-playing as a gynecologist? Like, a really shitty, junky gynecologist? Yeah, this is not kinky sex. <laughs> this is, like, unsatisfying sex. <laughs> what woman has ever said to you, oh, yeah, I can only come if you gape my vagina apart? I know. That's I the should... only way I can come. I shouldn't be as hard as I am right now, but whatever. (laughs) For just $5, you can hear the rest of this phone call, a bonus news story, and about an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. 
So this story actually kind of starts in August of 45 with the dropping of the atomic bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. It's impossible not to mention the war. America, by this point, you know, it's kind of tired of the war. It's war-weary and their attentions turn from killing gunas with advanced atomic weapons, also Oppenheimer, very boring movie, to at-home comforts such as the television. And at the birth of the at-home TV set, we also see the birth of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He's born in Pinehurst, North Carolina, on August the 24th, 1945. So he's a Virgo. But his entire chart, because I looked at it and I spent a long time looking at Vincent McMahon's book in astrological chart, is Neptune heavy. And those that subscribed to the Patreon are the Apple subs and uh, listen to the Serial Killer Star Signs series, uh, which is where I loosely put the term serial killer in front of star signs. Then they know exactly what this all means. His parents, uh, his dad was Vincent James McMahon. He's a soldier first and a wrestling promoter later. And he's the son of a famous boxing promoter for the time, Roderick James Jess McMahon. His wife was Victoria McMahon, both are of Irish descent. So this notion of like an immigrant coming to America and achieving the American dream, it's just like running through the blood of young Vince, what he achieves in his life. The marriage did not last. They divorced when Vince, Vince was super young and Vince's father took up his older brother Roderick and moved away. Like that must have stung. Well, he, so he just, the, the father chose the older son. Yeah, and he moved and away. And left Vince behind. Yeah, Vince actually wouldn't see him, his father until he was 12. So he abandons him for the first 12 years of his life. That is terrible. I mean, that's got to have psychological effects. Vince's mother, she has a succession of very brutal stepfathers. She's going to end up remarrying four times. And one of these stepfathers was a guy called Leo Lupton, whose last name Vince took for like the majority of his childhood. Leo is incredibly violent and he beats Victoria. And when Vince would try to protect her, um, actually Vince would like beat them both with workman's tools. Uh, he would like attack Vince too. So he's used to beatings. Wait, so Leo would, would attack both Vince and his mom with tools. He'd be like hitting his mom with a hammer and Vince would like step in to be like, stop hitting my mom. And then he would be like, all right, I'll hit you instead then. Wow. Vince said, I grew up in a very aggressive environment, to say the least. That includes any number of individual stepfathers beating the hell out of me, only because I had a big mouth and I had to say what was on my mind. Years later, after Leo's death, Vince was quoted as saying, it is unfortunate that Lupton died before I could kill him. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that, uh, that sentiment there. Besides the physical abuse, his stepbrother also sexually abused him. In a very famous Playboy interview in 2001, he talked about his early sexual experiences, saying that was at a very young age. I remembered probably in the first grade being invited to a matinee film with my stepbrother and his girlfriends. And I remember them playing with me, playing with my penis and giggling. I thought that was pretty cool. This was my initiation into sex. At that age, you don't necessarily achieve an erection, but it was cool. Wow, this makes a lot of sense. We're really developing a psychosexual profile of this guy. Well, like the thing I always notice, I own a lot of old Playboys, is like the conversations are always very candid, but they're very like kind of like nearly flirty, the way that people, famous people talk in them. It's like that it's just very open. It's like, I think, it, it's, I think it's good that he could say, yeah, I did that and it was, I thought it was cool. Well, I think it's very conversational, those, those interviews that Playboy yeah. has, which I think is... Uh, you know, part of the uh, the, the appeal, charm. yeah, part of the appeal there. But but this explains a lot as far as his future well, sexual got, proclivities. Got diddled and beaten. Yeah, his whole I mean, childhood. Yeah, I mean, he was sexually abused. 
So I think he understands this. I think he got off on this, this power dynamic at an early age. And it was a different time as well. He had several early sexual experiences with his cousin in the woods because this is North Carolina. And he said, at around the same time, there was a girl my age who was in essence my cousin. Later in life, she actually wound up marrying the asshole Leah Lupton, my stepfather. Boy, this sounds like Tobacco Road. Anyway, I remember the two of us being so curious about each other's bodies and not knowing what the hell to do. We were going to the woods, we would get naked together. It felt good. And for some reason, I wanted to put crushed leaves into her. I don't know why, but I remember that. I don't remember the first time we had intercourse, believe it or not. Okay, so... I like that he's been so candid, though, because especially when you're a kid and, like... I'm pretty sure the percentage of like kids who like first have sexual dalliances with relatives is still fucking high in a lot of places in America. But at least he's like, you know what? Because you are a kid, aren't you? You're inquisitive. You want to think, you want to poke a dead body with a stick. You want to put crushed leaves up inside of someone. Well, I think even his earlier experiences, you can see that he was into like experimenting with sex. Right. And not to mention maybe even possible sexual humiliation. Well, maybe, but not knowing it at the time. So yeah. later in an interview with Howard Stern, he insinuated that another woman also sexually, abu- sexually abused him in the family. And he's really heavily leaning that it was his mother. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> this explains everything about how he's behaving or how he's behaved like in his later years. Well, I mean, it, this is like the worst childhood. You yeah, this is of. terrible. I mean, but it's this nearly is like, serial killer childhood. But it's been imprinted on him at a very early age. So if this shitty situation wasn't enough for him, so as well as living and growing up in extreme poverty in a trailer park, he's also dyslexic. And this is a time when everyone just thought you were dumb and not that you had an actual problem. He said it's frustrating for a child to know that you're different, that you don't fit in. Maybe you're not quite as bright and so you get made fun of. But it was this like this whole background that gave his Vince his philosophy for life. He said, if I lived through this ordeal, if I lived through this beating, then I won. I took that as a child and I applied that to my life, which I definitely think he can say about him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like he faced like, you know, surmounting adversaries. So it's like, yeah, the odds were stacked against him. And I think this kind of you know, set his philosophy for, for, for his future success. So at this time, Vince is an outspoken outcast and he's a rebel and he's sent to military school in Waynesboro, Virginia. So here he's having escaped his shitty adolescence and childhood. Vince reinvents himself for the first time and this sets the tone for his life. He actually did make history at Fishbone Military School. He was the first student to be court-martialed there and he was planning a pants dropping uh, (laughs) on graduation day. They found out about it. He denies it. Um, But because of the support of all his teachers who said he's a great student and actually his fellow students, everyone loved him there, the charges were dropped. He graduates in 64. He attends East Carolina University and he earns his business degree in 68. So in 66, he had married Linda. Uh, He had met her. He's three years older than her and he had met her uh, a few years before. Linda's going to play a huge role in his professional life, you know, behind every megalomaniac. There's another megalomaniac (laughs) stroke in the fire. I am, of course, implying Hillary and Bill. Like, Bill would have been a gas station attendant if it hadn't have been for Hillary. I I do think they're a good pair, both couples. (laughs) Yeah. So throughout this time, TV is ruling the airwaves. We've got broadcasts of game shows, comedies, westerns, and wrestling. So this isn't a history podcast. It's certainly not a history of wrestling podcast. But back in those days, 
wrestling was divided up by territories. And during the 1950s, the National Wrestling Alliance oversaw many of these territories. And Vince's father ran the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWWF, which began in 1963. And he controls the Northeast Territory. Wait, was this uh, Vince's biological father? Yeah, by your dad. Well, by your dad, yeah. So was the National Wrestling Alliance called NWA? <laughs> they could have gone for it, <laughs> couldn't they? <laughs> I didn't know that's where the name came from. I thought it meant something else. Compared to other wrestling promotions at the time, they didn't have weekly matches. They held them once a month in an arena. They gained a television deal. And by the 1970s, they were doing sellout business. And they're one of the largest promoters in the territories. So in episode 839, we talked about the crazy con man, Evil Knievel, and we documented an early instance of Vince McMahon's early salesman techniques that saw him taking on like a ringmaster P.T. Barnum type of character. And at this time, Vince was selling everything from paper cups to adding machines, and his father very reluctantly gave him his debut in the WWWF in 1969 as a ring announcer. But by 71, he was assigned to manage and promote the main territory, specifically Banger, which was like lowest of the low. His dad was like, you're starting up from the fucking bottom, get to Banger, bitch. And he also became a play-by-play commentator, which is something he readily, like, regularly did up until around 1997. And I must say, Vince McMahon is a fucking, is just a great commentator. Everyone who grew up watching wrestling will know what I mean. He's also got a great voice for it, too. Oh, yeah. So why did the father reluctantly give him his debut? I read this cool quote where, like, Vince's father was just a really chilled out, really good businessman. He didn't want to, like, change anything. He was so happy in his role. And everyone, he was just really upright businessman. But everyone called Vince crazy. Oh, okay. So he... He's a bit of a wild child. Well, it sounds like he didn't raise his son either. No. So why am I going to give you... He didn't want his son to get involved in wrestling. Like, when Vince was 12 and he met him for the first time, he wanted to become a wrestler. And his dad was like, I do not want you getting involved with this business. It's really like shit and you won't last. What about the other son, the older brother, uh, I Roderick? I did not have time to look into what happened okay. to Roddy. I was just wondering if he followed in, you know, the, the, in the, the footsteps. footsteps of the father. Well, I mean, it is a family affair. So people like John Steele will know. So Vince used the WWF and their newfangled technology to record his matches on tape. And he would send these tapes across the territory. So he's undercutting the other promoters. He's breaking all gentlemen's agreements with these promoters. But he's making bank with the television companies that were laying cable. Um, faster than people could buy TVs. So it's funny. So laying cables specifically in Britain just means taking a shit. But over in America, it means taking a shit and having sex. Yeah, and like laying some pipe. Yeah, so McMahon um, likes to lay pipe, definitely. I think, you, I, I think the two are very closely linked in McMahon's case. And McMahon, he may have had some failures, and he was very close to destitute at times, but he's kind of falling upwards, and he's really fearless. In 79, the company was renamed to the WWF, and by 82, uh, 1982, he'd purchased the business from his father, and he became chairman. Uh, Linda became co-chief executive under the company Titan Sports, which also acquired the CWC from his ailing father, so he dies in 1984. Vince said, I knew my dad wouldn't have really sold me the business had he knew what I was going to do. <laughs> so I, I guess he wasn't really uh, uh, very honest with his plans. Well, I don't think company. it's not necessarily honest. Vince has like or transparent, really, I guess. I think Vince could see the future of wrestling, whereas everyone else in the business was like 
old. They were like 50, 60, and they were happy for it to continue the way it was. Whereas Vince was like, we could turn this into a business that makes money. And in some ways, merging all the territories together was really good for wrestling. But at the same time, it's totally kind of what killed wrestling. It's but like a double-edged al- sword. But he's also like a marketing genius. So I think exactly. he knew how to make money off the sport. Over the next decade, he leads a scorched earth campaign against the territories. And he changed the landscape of wrestling and television as we know it. So he hired star promoters. He outbid others for television contracts. And he got exclusive deals with arenas in other people's territories. Money signs flashed in his eyes as he saw the marketing appeal of like his heels, his baby faces. He launched action figures, WWF ice cream, WWF early Saturday morning cartoons, movies, albums, clothes, posters, bedsheets. He pushed the boundaries of like new broadcasting technologies too. I mean, he was so up into technology. Well, at this time though, or prior to this, I guess during his father's era, there was no WrestleMania. No. Or anything like that. There would be like something akin to it, but it certainly wouldn't be like done the way it was, like the way I grew up watching wrestling. Like it's not a year long event. Like right now, this weekend is the Royal Rumble. Like the Royal Rumble didn't even like start happening until the late 80s. So he kind of, that was all Vince McMahon's creation. Yeah. Yeah. From his company. By 1988, his public enemy number one was Ted Turner, (laughs) who's the billionaire owner of World Championship Wrestling and the man who also founded both CNN and TBS. In what is known as the Monday Night Wars, McMahon fought back for ratings and he fought back in the only way that he knows how to, which is being very dirty. But I think you have to be. Another scorched earth policy followed and its wake the Attitude Era was born. So he brought out the soap opera aspect of wrestling. He admitted that matches were predetermined. This didn't hurt the business one bit. There was more blood. There's more body slams into barbed wire. There's more steel chairs. There's more ass kissing. Literally the Kiss My Ass Club was one of my favorite segments. There's more juvenile antics in and out the ring, sexism selves, and Sable unleashing her puppies live on 1998's Fully Loaded, ushered in the Raw is War era, and about a million preteens, your co-host included, kick drive into puberty. So wait, what, what is the Kiss My Ass Club? Kiss My Ass Club is where you had to kiss up to the boss. You had to oh, kiss okay. Vince McMahon's fucking ass. I thought it was like wrestlers kissing each other's fart box. I mean, uh, well, <laughs> one of Rikishi's finishing moves was like he, he would put his big fat ass into your face and he would suffocate you. Oof. God, I guess this, so I guess that is the, uh, the other kiss my ass club. Don't say that wrestling is fake because it's not <laughs> unless you want Rikishi's ass in your face. So, the, I mean... I know lots of people listening, like there's like people like Siege and like my buddy Warren, that we're all raw is what attitude era kids. It's like totally raucous. It's racist. There's blood. The injuries are real. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin broke his neck and Vince reinvents himself. This is the most genius thing he ever did as the evil corporate overlord, Mr. McMahon where he shrewdly does what no other boss has done before, and he places himself in the ring as a focal point. He's like proper jacked up. Yeah, I remember this. He's roided out. And uh, I'm going to quote John Steele here. He was the most entertaining person on the roster. And first, honestly, the, the whole feud between him and Steve Austin, I hope like if I ever get to be an old lady and I die on my deathbed, that's all I'll replay in my mind. It was yeah. so fucking good. I remember seeing how yoked out McMahon was. I mean, he had been like pumping weights and getting like huge and all jacked up. But was this the same time when Trump, like in the nineties when Trump was in the ring? That was, you remember that? Yeah. That was like 
I can't remember if it was after my time or before my time. But I don't remember Trump being in the Raw is War era. But maybe it did happen. But I wouldn't have known who Trump was. Because yeah, why I mean, would I have? There was a thing, the Battle of the Billionaires, that came out. I mean... What year was that, though? Because I don't remember that. But maybe it happened. I mean, so much happened in wrestling when I was watching it. It was a pivotal moment from, like, 1998 till around 2002 slash three. Just so much happened in wrestling. And it was great. And well, then it went fucking Trump, down. Trump and McMahon have been uh, very close friends for years. And I think Trump was also, he joined the, the company, World Wrestling Federation, as an investor. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and I think there was one, um, I, don't, I don't remember exactly when I've it was. I've seen the footage, but I, I don't think it was when I was watching wrestling. But yeah, like he was, he was younger and he got in the ring and he like. Wasn't it know, against Hogan? No, I forget what it was exactly. It was like he was involved. I forget what it was. I think he was invited by uh, McMahon. And I think they, yeah, he like, he stepped foot in the ring. And uh, and I guess his, cause because of his longstanding relationship with Vince McMahon and the WWE to this day. But he's been involved with the company for like 30 years. Why not? He he's probably made lots of money. Of multiple them. appearances at WWE events. He was a guest ring announcer, on-screen talent, and he's the, even the owner of the WWE's uh, show, uh, WWE Raw. Oh, I didn't know he owned Raw. You know what else I think he might have had his fingers in the pie of? And this is, when I was 16, it's the only place I wanted to go to, was the, uh, the WWF uh, bar. I am going to call it WF as well because I'm that generation. It was a WWF bar in New York where it just showed. It was just a bar that showed wrestling? Well, now obviously we have the network. So you can watch WE Network and it's got all the historical matches on it as well as the live pay-per-views. But that's essentially what the bar did. It had like huge like screens and it showed old matches as well as like you would get there for the monthly events. So, you know, you'd be there for Monday Night Raw or you'd go show up for SmackDown. Do you remember Vincent McMahon? I like I didn't mention this, but he tried to start his own football league. It was like oh, an no, extreme. The XFL, the XFL. Yeah, the yeah, XFL. Yeah. But it never worked out. No, you know, uh, you know, Amy Nicole, who uh, oh right, yeah, who was murdered, you friend of mine. But we we talked about her on the I think the second show recently. We talked about the actual trial of her murder, who got life in prison. She was a cheerleader in the XFL. Oh no way! For the, uh, yeah, the LA team. I forget what it was called, but yeah, that was short-lived. <laughs> I think it went a lot longer than everyone thought it was going to, but yeah, the bar weird. didn't last either. I didn't quite understand why. He, I mean, it's kind of like the Canadian League football. No one really cares. Yeah. I think it was like, we're going to have football in the off-season, and no one really cares. Creating any new sport is not without hazard. I mean, look at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Trump. So Trump Plaza hosted back-to-back WrestleManias in the late 80s. Yeah, that's and that's kind of how uh, Trump and McMahon became uh, really good friends. So yeah, I mean, and Trump's been a you know an investor, and he's made a lot of money off of WWE over the years. A uh, friend to the show and fellow podcaster um, Siege, he does the, the Laser Comb podcast. If he can ring in and talk about Trump on wrestling, that'd be great. Yeah, because he'll relationship know. with uh, McMahon. He's way more into wrestling than I am. Like, because I've fallen out with wrestling. As long as Roman Reigns lives, I will never watch wrestling again. And I wish that cancer had killed him. You know, you. I was never really a fan. I didn't grow up watching. I, I know. didn't grow up in this country. You it missed wasn't, out. It wasn't a thing that was popular in South Africa. When I moved here, I mean, I liked Andre the Giant. I thought he was cool. I thought the Ultimate Warrior was cool. I don't know why. And The Undertaker. I was always a fan of that guy. But I never, like, 
I was never all super into like WrestleManias or anything like oh, that. Oh, we were. Uh, Jake the Snake was mine. And uh, Rowdy, I like Jake Rowdy, the Snake Rowdy Piper were my yeah. two like main ones. And I always loved Big Boss Man. I just thought he was hilarious. I remember him. Rest was... in peace, all of them. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> all oh no, Jake the Snake's still going. Yeah, I think man. Jake the Snake's still. I think he's somehow, still alive. somehow yeah. he's still alive. So when Vince was like this high, like high point of Raw, this is when some contro- like controversy really started. Although there was stuff from earlier. So Owen Hart falls seventy eight feet to his death in the squared circle in front of a sellout arena of fans and people watching pay per view uh, around the world on May the twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. I was also one of those people watching. Owen oh, you Hart. saw it live. They cut to the crowd. Um, I think in America you saw it, but, you know, because there was a little time delay from, you oh, know, they streaming. Out. <laughs> well, they just cut to the crowd. Gasping. So, and you just saw everyone and, like, you heard JR and the King. You knew it was fucking serious. So Vince rings Owen Hart's wife, Martha, who's a fucking lovely lady, to inform her of the tragic accident that could have been totally preventable, was 100% his company's fault. And she kind of had to ask him over the phone, like, is this really a serious call or is it part of your production? Because the lines were becoming so blurred in wrestling at this point. Like, yeah, what's, what's real? What's actually real? And what's, what isn't? what's simulated? You know, what's interesting about this too is later on, she, was, uh, she went on to say or criticize him for not stopping the event. I mean, because I f- they like the dude just died, and then they're like, "Yeah, let's keep wrestling. Let's he didn't get him off the ring." Die. He dies in the hospital. Dies in the later. hospital, but I mean, he was mortally wounded on stage. But he's a showman. He's like Colonel Parker. He can't like Elvis. You're going out on stage and you're singing till you fucking die. Like I, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't in that situation. It's it's a tough choice because you have a live event. You have like thousands of fans there. What are you gonna do? Come out and be like, "Yeah, dude just died. We gotta stop." It, I think he had to carry on the show. Yeah. But I mean, there was some chutzpah there because he like showed up at the uh, the funeral. Of course. And people were really upset. So Vince McMahon, like I said, is known as the crazy Vince. He's been involved in numerous cover-ups and controversies. Most of them are in the name of greed and personal gain. So Nancy Argentino, she's only 23 when she dies on May 10th, 1983, after she was rushed to hospital with a serious head injury. She had been staying in a motel in Whitehall Township, Pennsylvania, with her lover and uh, a wrestler, uh, Jimmy Snooker. So Nancy's Jimmy's mistress. But they'd usually hook up when he was in the Northeast. And he said that he had been returning from a taping at the Allentown Fairgrounds. And he found his lover gasping for air. And she had yellow fluid (laughs) oozing from her nosy mouth. You know, instead of calling an ambulance, because he is a wrestler and some of them are kind of dumb. He just hung out in the room with her. And they kind of say that he hung out in the room with her from anything to 12 to 24 hours before he like made that, you know, little phone call to the ambulance. Wait, wait, there's yellow fluid oozing from her orifices. And he's just like, ah, it's all good. Let's watch TV. He's probably like, looks disgusting, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Snooker did not sound like that. He didn't sound like that. So in the autopsy, it shows she died of traumatic brain injuries that were very consistent with a moving head striking a stationary objects. <laughs> she had more than two dozen cuts and bruises on her head, ear, chin, arms, hands, back, buttocks, legs, and feet. She's been beaten, man. The doctor wrote this case should be investigated as a homicide until proven otherwise. But the case remained opened and no charges were pressed against Jimmy even though he told at least five people, including the responding police officers, that he had shoved Nancy and that she had fallen and hit her head. He later changed his story, saying the police had misunderstood him and she had really slipped and hit her head when she'd been using a Mingan gas station bathroom earlier that day. 
So there you go. There's already two warning signs. He's changing his fucking story. (laughs) What is known is that Jimmy was very much a wife beater. He once sent his real wife to the hospital for five months from a severe beating. Just after Nancy had died. This was just after Nancy had died as well. Four months before Nancy's death, Jimmy had been charged with beating her in a New York hotel room and he had been charged with second and third degree assault. Yeah, how can you really argue against these claims? It's not like you get bruises and injuries like that slipping in a gas station bathroom. Yeah, right? It's it's absurd. By his side, protecting a star wrestler and obviously protecting his company's name was Vince McMahon. So in Jimmy's autobiography, he mentions meeting with Vince and the DA and a bunch of other serious law officials and there being an exchange of a suitcase from Vince's hands to their hands and he never saw the suitcase again. Just a morally bankrupt billionaire. The WWE, they're having to put out a fire. So they issued a statement saying, the insinuation that a group of medical examiners, detectives, and prosecutors, including two who became judges, could have their integrity compromised and participate in an improper activity during a meeting is absurd, categorically false, and insinuating to all parties. We hope we are hopeful that justice will prevail. I'm pretty sure there was an exchange of briefcases. Oh, everyone's corrupt. I'm sure there's a lot of money that went back and forth there. Jimmy claimed in- innocence, and he writes in his autobiography, I'm surprised the man could even, like, spell, let alone hold with I'm, I'm sure it was ghostwritten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wrote it. Listen, listen to what this fucking bullshit artist said. I never hit Nancy or threatened her. I never wanted to harm her. I think she died of a fracture to her skull. I was devastated. We already know this is a lie because he's just been arrested and charged for beating the same woman. I never hit Nancy. Yeah, he was Shut charged up, for OJ. assault. Yeah. So it's like, come on. I mean, who's even reading this bullshit anyway? Uh, I think Gino is. He's going through all the wrestling law biographies. So this is one he'll have to read. On September the 1st, 2015, and that's more than 30 years after her murder, a grand jury found uh, Jimmy Snooker guilty of homicide and they charged him with third degree murder. But he's never going to see the inside of a courtroom or a jail cell. After being stripped from the WWE Hall of Fame, just like Chris Benoit, and just like Benoit, his lawyer went down there. You know, he's had too many bands on the (laughs) noggin route, uh, claiming CTE. Uh, Chronic traumatic um, encephalopathy. (laughs) You know what I mean. And once again, and also because he was suffering with really bad dementia and he had cancer, the charges were dropped. 12 days later, January the 15th, 2017, Jimmy Snooker dies at the age of 73. Uh, I say snooker. I know it's snooker, but it's like easy to say snooker because I'm British. From stomach cancer and other ailments. Uh, the death of Nancy remains unsolved, but I think Vince and his very big briefcase. We all know what really went down. Uh, exa- I think the reason the briefcase was so big is because Vince knew what went down. He's covering I, it up. Yeah, and I just mentioned Chris Benoit and his goo-goo muck brain. And that's another event that is filled with the shady fingers of Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince McMahon says, I don't know what happened to Chris Benoit. I have no idea what went on in his brain at the time. And that is unquestionably the darkest day in the history of our business. But it does seem that Vince knew or knew about what had occurred over a three-day period from June the 22nd to June the 24th, 2007. I cannot believe it was that long ago in the Benoit home in Fayetteville, Georgia. Um, I was watching like wrestling on and off at this time. And I do remember the like the tribute shows, but I never cared because Chris, like technically I know he's one of the greatest wrestlers that ever wrestled. But what, what years was Benoit like oh, a forever. superstar? 
forever from like the like the late eighties, like for okay, all the way but from he the was 90s. the era of like pre raw. He was like definitely a raw as well. He was like an attitude era wrestler, but I was just never into him. Like he's never good on the mic, and he's just kind of like a bruiser. Like I liked all the ones who were great on the mic, like Stone Cold and The Rock and stuff like that. But yeah. I, when I was a kid. Sensational Sherry and Nancy Benoit were like the two people I wanted to grow up to be. The Fallen Angel. She was so fucking cool. Was she one of those uh, ring girls or was she a She's a manager. Wrestler? Oh, she's a manager. Oh my God, okay. she's not just a ring girl. She's a manager. I, I didn't know. <laughs> and I miss Sensational Sherry. She was fabulous. So in a double murder-suicide bid that occurred on Friday, June the 22nd, he killed his wife, the Fallen Angel, Nancy Benoit, in their home office. He had bound and gagged her before he pressed his knee into her back whilst pulling a cord around her neck, strangling her to death. I mean, he's a big fucking guy as well. She has no hope. The next morning, he sedates his seven-year-old son, Daniel, and then he kills him using one of his favorite finishing moves, the crippler crossface. So this is where you trap one of the, like, the arms of your opponent, like behind them, and then you wrap both hands around the mouth and uh, like the chin of them. So, you know, you're like Bane in Batman. And you pull their head back, and it's a submission hold. Like, people will pass out. Daniel didn't get a chance to tap out, though. Instead, he just suffocates to death. Doesn't that seem a bit unnecessary? Like, couldn't he just use a gun? It's kind of messy using a gun. Yeah, but, I mean, you could go use poison, whatever. I mean, or strangle him. You don't have to do these, like, wrestling moves and, and you know, and, and choke out your wife. I, I, I think you could just use a gun. I do think Chris Memoir had a high, like, his brain was mush. So I don't think been. there's reasoning yeah. with him. There's shadow people involved in this. He leaves Bibles next to both their bodies. <laughs> and then he kills himself rather ingeniously in his weight room where he uses his lap pull-down machine to hang himself. It basically nearly decapitates him. Like, the weight, he worked out, like, the, uh, the weight measurement to his body weight. And he puts all the right weights on and he nearly took his own head off. It was that effective. Okay, well, his brain must have been functioning in some way. He was like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to hurt myself. Once again, he also could have used a gun. (laughs) He could have. (laughs) Hours after the bodies were found, McMahon stages a tribute to Chris Benoit on Monday Night Raw. And some of the critics speculated with full knowledge that Benoit was not the victim. And he was, in fact, the actual perpetrator. Michael Benoit, he's Chris's dad, his grandfather to Daniel, says that his wife Margaret answered the phone at about 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time on June the 25th, 2007. The call was from the president of the Canadian WWE, Carl DeMarco, offering his sympathies. So this family totally scrambled. They hadn't heard anything about this. And they managed to meet up with Edmonton journalist Scott Zer at 4.45 p.m., who told them both that Chris specifically had taken the lives of Nancy, Daniel, and himself. Um, Scott said that he had received this information directly from the WWE. Oof. At 8 p.m., the planned show that night had been scrapped. And this is a very famous episode because Vince was actually due to die in this episode in like this long-running feud with Stone Cold. And instead, we got Vince, you know, his voice is cracking. He's holding back tears as they played tribute to Benoit. And there's three hours of taped highlights and there's talking heads from the other wrestlers. You know, they're all breaking down and crying. I do remember this event, but I I wonder how sincere Vince's tears were. Well, I mean, he's a fantastic actor. Well, he's losing some money. (laughs) No, he's gaining money. Wow. The next night, they revealed new details had emerged. Benoit was to be scrapped from the Hall of Fame, and anything Benoit-related was pulled from sale. Why would he do this? Like, you know, he's going to make money. 
Dead wrestlers create dead good TV ratings. He probably wanted to garner a smidge of sympathy before the shit show of steroid abuse and CTC, uh, CTE allegations were thrown at him and his precious company. Yeah, it was definitely time to cash in when he could. The amount of money they made off the Owen Hart death is insane. So he's trying to replicate that. He doesn't even contact Michael Benoit until 11 days after it all broke. He left a voicemail on Michael's answering machine and he said, I suppose I could have called earlier, but we were both trying to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised he called it off. Well, Michael didn't return his call. You'd be good to know. But speaking of steroids, though, we're going to go down there now. In 1991, Dr. George Zaharian was convicted and sentenced to three years in prison for selling steroids to most of the wrestlers on the roster at the time. By 94, Vince was facing a million dollar fine and over a decade in prison for the very same thing. During the 18-day trial, the biggest names in wrestling like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Rick Rude, they all testified towards a jury in federal district court that he had doled them out drugs and that they took them. Even with the kind of dark steroid crowd that this leaves on the industry, Vince is cleared of all charges and acquitted. Hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you got to say a lot of football coaches too. All and, the sports yeah, industries, man. They're all doing it. Vince is pretty good at paying up hush money. So this could be one of the reasons that he escapes persecution. In July of 2022, the Wall Street Journal reported that Vince had paid four different women, all former employees, with hush money over their allegations of sexual misconduct. It's over a period of 16 years. He pays out around $12 million. Since then... Two more women have come forward with Iskander's claims uh, that he might be uh, uh, shitting on people's heads and tits <laughs> whenever he wants. I read it was $14.6 million, not It 12. probably was. Yeah, I think it was a little higher. Being cheated on is something Linda must be used to. They've since parted ways. In the Playboy article from 2001, he admits to having had affairs. Linda found out and confronted him. And he said, it's not something I'm proud of. I just didn't realize the impact of messing with other people's lives. I hurt a lot of people. The sex was terrific. (laughs) But from an emotional standpoint, I regret it. The sex is terrific, though. I just can't (laughs) stop myself. Yeah, I'm sure that the shitting on tits must be very arousing. But the sexual abuse allegations also go back decades as well. In 1992, popular wrestlers Terry Garvin and Pat Patterson, uh, speaking, funny speaking of Pat Patterson when it's the Royal Rumble uh, today because he invented the Royal Rumble. These guys are accused of sexual abuse. Garvin had made advances towards ring boys, mostly young boys, who would volunteer for what they thought would be like a cool, fun time to hang out in the ring with these like mega famous people. Well, it wasn't also just Terry they were beating off. Uh, (laughs) Ring announcer Mel Phillips, who was also in charge of overseeing the Ring Boys, was also accused of molesting countless kids. And I'm sure this was all covered up with more hush money. It was. Uh, (laughs) Linda personally fires Phillips in 1988, but she eventually rehires him on the promise that, Mel, you must stop molesting those kids. Stop it and we'll rehire you. Um, <laughs> like a handshake. You got to stop, stop diddling kids, okay? S- stop it, Mel. But obviously that whole story is <laughs> going to blow up again <laughs> when this story broke. Vince denies any knowledge of any wrongdoing. He claimed all the employees had been fired because they were incompetent. And he ultimately defends himself and his company. He's got it, you know. Once the scandal kind of died down, and perhaps as a thank you to Pat Patterson, who was a super popular wrestler at the time, he rehires him. It's like, come on back to the fold, Pat. I can trust you. 
<laughs> but the Mel Phillips scandal, that boiled up again in 2021 when the brother of Tom Cole, one of the kids who he had diddled, committed suicide. So his brother Lee tweeted out McMahon and his company for covering up the abuse. He wrote, my brother Tom committed suicide a couple of hours ago. Vincent McMahon and his wife Linda let child molesters into their company years ago and they did everything possible to cover up what they did to my brother. I hope you sleep good at night, Vince. Our family suffers. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. I, d- I do think uh, Vince and Linda are just bankrupt, morally bankrupt individuals. Show me a billionaire who fucking isn't. I mean, I know, that's all I, they care about. They, Warren uh, Buffett. I don't think Warren Buffett is covering up child abuse scandals. I think it's, I think it's par for the course when you I, are a rich tycoon. I don't know. Tycoon, I, I think it's par honestly. for the course for a certain type of megalomaniac. So this past week, um, Vince McMahon resigned from his role as executive chairman of TKO the parent company, WWE, following very disturbing allegations of sexual assault, trafficking, and physical abuse. So these allegations came to light um, in this lawsuit that was filed by a former WWE staffer, Janelle Grant, who worked at the headquarters of uh, the WWE. I really, it's the one in Burbank, isn't it? I really want a job there. (laughs) 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 I still want a job there. Well, I mean, maybe you can get a Cleveland steamer. Yeah. Um, McMahon's vigorously denied these allegations. He said he's prepared to defend himself in court. Uh, but in a statement this Friday, which looks like he might be admitting some culpability, he resigned. He had to. He, he was forced to, wasn't he? he oh, they were he like, was pushed he, out for sure. They were doing the nice thing of either you resign or we're going to fire you. And it's like, I'll walk. I like how he says, out of respect for the WWE universe and the extraordinary TKO business, because I'm sure he doesn't want to lose his stock options, um, it's board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, and all the employees and superstars who helped make WWE into the global leader it is today. I decided to resign from my executive chairmanship and the TKO board of directors effective immediately. Yeah, I would also put resign in very loose terms because I highly doubt <laughs> that he is not pulling puppet strings anymore. Well, as you mentioned before, I mean, McMahon has a history of uh, spending a, a lot of money on hush money settlements. He knows what to years. do. $14.6 million to multiple women. Were, they, um, he paid them out while serving as the CEO and chairman of uh, WWE. And these lawsuits go back as far as like 2002. But this recent lawsuit kind of sheds new light on his sexual misconduct here. So Grant's claiming that McMahon lured her with promises of career advancement and then exploited and trafficked her to other men within the company. Uh, She did sign a non-disclosure agreement in 2022, but now she's seeking to void this agreement and unspecified financial damages after McMahon stopped the payments under the deal. So I think that's the thing. It's like, I feel like she feels spurned because she signed this NDA saying like, listen, I'm not going to go public with this. I'm not going to say anything about any of this sexual abuse, but you got to pay me the amount that we agreed upon. Yeah, but part of me thinks this is a move by his lawyers in some way to, because like he's not paying it. He's not writing out a check to her each month. Some other fuckers doing it. So I feel that, I don't know, I feel there's something else going on there as well. Well, I agree with her. It's like, you were promised this, this X amount of millions of dollars, and you're not getting it? Well, fuck yeah, I would, I would sue. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, he's not upholding his end. 
So the lawsuit filed in the Connecticut federal court provides a detailed account of Janelle Grant's interactions with uh, Vince McMahon alleging this sexual assault. So I did some uh, some sleuthing and I actually found the lawsuit, the full thing. It's like 80 pages long on uh, Twitter. So I don't think this is a civil trial because she's asking for financial uh, restitution. It's not a criminal trial. So I don't think the burden of proof... I don't think she does have to provide evidence where she has emails, she has texts, she has like photographs. She's got plenty of evidence, but I don't think it's like, it's not a, you know, it's not a criminal trial. He's not going to be sentenced to prison. No, and he's not going to, if so, if he's found guilty, then that can lead to a real trial and they can go to court. I'm not sure if it can, because like somebody, somebody else could come forward at that point and say, I'm going to take you now. And like, it, it could be a Weinstein thing where maybe like 10 women will all band together. But he, she still has to prove that like it's all happened, which if all you have is really like text messages, I think it's kind of murky. I think it's plenty of evidence to, uh, to move forward a lawsuit. And I'm sure the, the law firm that's representing her is probably taking this pro bono because of how much money this payout is going to be. I think what is going to end up happening, it's going to be like Trump with, uh, with uh, Carol. I mean, Trump was found guilty twice by a jury, not that difficult to convince in a civil trial. And now he's got to pay $83 million, which who knows if he'll ever actually pay well, it. Well, yeah, it's going to be like, yeah. um, what it'll, is it? I mean, they're going to drop it down to like, eventually it'll be like, all right, you actually have to pay $3 million now. Even that I don't think it even will do. But I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Trump, Vince McMahon, powerful billionaires. They have so much money that a couple million is just like, you know, drop a sand for them. I don't it's think It's not just care. the money either. They have so many people who they have also made very, very, very wealthy. And they have their fingers in so many like governmental pies that we'll never know about that just the likelihood. Like it's, this is different to Weinstein. I, you know, completely. It's a different level. I think the sexual abuse and the power dynamic is very similar to Weinstein. Uh, that's similar. But I yeah. mean, this is another level. Like Weinstein the is depravity. a small fish compared to how rich... Like yeah, McManus. I don't think Weinstein even comes close to like a Trump and McMahon. McMahon. Uh, no, well. of course not. So Janelle Grant met um, McMahon in t- March 2019. Grant was dealing with profound grief and struggling financially after devoting several years to round-the-clock caregiving to her parents who had uh, terminal illnesses. Um, her parents passed away, and at that time, um, the family home was lost in the bankruptcy. So she didn't have much money. Uh, she was dedicating herself to finding gainful employment. Neighbors in the in her building were helping her out, and it turned out the uh, the building's manager was like, "Listen, I have a connection to Vince McMahon, and <laughs> yeah, and I could probably see if we can get you a gig over at WWE." If you look at picture, Janelle Grant's actually she's kind of got she's that. Cute. She's very cute. I think she has got that next you know girl next door kind of look. She's not a porn star. She doesn't have big fake tits, and she's just you cute know when girl. plastic surgery. She's just just a general cute girl. Um, so McMahon, I'm sure she sent her a picture. McMahon was like, hell yes, I'll help her. And they, he befriended her and he gave her like hopes of a new life with, with a yet to be determined role at WWE. I mean, he could give her any kind of gig. Um, and so he started showering with attention and assurances saying, I'm going to like, you know, make this, you know, I'm going to help you build a career. And he dangled career making and life changing promises in front of her while, Demonstrating increasing lack of boundaries. 
So <laughs> during several meetings, she, he had her, this is totally Weinstein. He was like, yeah, we're going to meet in my hotel room because I'm kind of in a hurry. But uh, I want to talk to you about a, a potential, you know, a potential position at a WWE. So she showed up in his hotel room. He comes out just wearing his it's, underwear. It's, I was going to say, in a towel. <laughs> no, he was, he was wearing his underwear. And uh, he, he like asked her to help him button up his shirt because his, I don't know, his, he said his, his hands, yeah, he said his hands were like wet. So as he was touching, oh, so she was smooth. buttoning up her, her shirt. He like touched her buttock region. He repeatedly kept asking for hugs. And then spent hours sharing intimate details about his personal life and sexual relationships. So it's a tricky situation, but like, had this been me, wouldn't you just walk away at this point and be like, yeah, this is not for me because I don't want to shag this. Like, Vincent Man's old. I mean, I must say, he looks good I mean, for an old guy. And I love the pencil thing. He's got to be in his 70s on him, at this point. But, and he still has a good body. But at the same time, I'd be like, this isn't for me. But at the same time, well, I would probably have shagged him because he's Vince McMahon. Well, I think that was the thing. I don't think she, they hadn't had sex. And I think she was like, okay, you know, maybe but the signs I'll just that, deal. That he's being. But maybe I'll deal with him, you know, pushing boundaries because he's going to give me a job making a lot of money and this is a career. And at, but the, I mean, at the time, she didn't really have much. I know, but that's very blindsided. I would but just this, be like, go work in Starbucks then if you don't want your boss to come on to you. Well, I mean, I think she, I think she didn't feel like it would increase in severity. Oh, she doesn't know Vince McMahon. I mean, maybe she's naive. I mean, she doesn't really know him. And McMahon, as as he was working towards getting her employment, he warned her to keep their closeness a secret because rumors could lead to potential trouble. And he added that he protects loyal people and he has world-class legal resources on speed dial to deal with people who are a problem. Well, of course he does. But that's kind of a threat. But it's obvious, though. It's obvious that he does. So he pushed her into uh, um, having a physical relationship in return for long-promised employment at WWE. And she felt trapped, this is in her words, in an impossible situation, submitting to his sexual demands or facing complete financial ruin. And reputational ruin, because he said he could do that. And so she feared she had everything to lose and face negative consequences no matter what happened. So I think she was like, you know what? I'm going to deal with this. And so he got her a job. He did pull through with this entry level as an administrator coordinator. And he created this position for her. Oh, that's the kind of job I want. Yeah. I mean, he created this position in WWE's legal department. Um, bit ironic if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, she started working there June 17, 2019. Um, and as she started working there, and this was also during, uh, you know, uh, she remained the role, even though she was involved with the XFL at the time. Um, but she was transferred then to the talent relations department, reporting to John Laurinaitis, yeah. who was the other defendant in this trial. Oh, yeah. Um, so McMahon and Laurinaitis informed Ms. Grant that she'd be promoted to VP of operations in the talent relations department. Now, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Administrator, and coordinator to, to VP. Maybe she is a bit naive to think like, this is actually going to happen. I just don't think she even knew about it, but could you imagine? It's like, yeah, we're going to be VP. VP at WWE, you're making a million dollars at least and a year, probably more. Yeah, and you don't just go there from nothing. From, from being a coordinator with no experience? Yeah. So, And they told her that we need you to begin at a lower level as a director 
of the talent relations department. But but within a 12-month period, you're going to be promoted to vice president. I love the fact that they say director is a low-level <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, I bet you it's like, you know, a few hundred thousand to like a couple million a year. It's, it's probably a huge difference. So despite Ms. Grant's expressions of unhappiness and attempts to end the sexual relationship, and she has got that documented with uh, texts and emails, uh, she came to understand that McMahon expected the physical relationship to continue as part of her employment at the WWE, and he made that explicitly clear. But she had no idea how sordid it would eventually become. <laughs> so in March 2020, I'm not laughing at a pain, but it is so McMahon bad. began sharing sexually explicit photographs and videos of her because he berated her into providing sexual. He said, This is what got him off. This is part of your employment here is to provide pornographic videos of her, first of all, getting fucked by him, but also uh, her like masturbating and her just being naked. Um, and this is content he recorded with himself and other men, both inside and outside the company, including members of the television production tech team, executives, the producers, a world-famous athlete, a former UFC heavyweight champion, Ooh. A lot of people, big, big names are involved here. And uh, so given his omnip omnipotent position, I mean, he's like the head honcho. I mean, he's as big as you can get WWE. Coercion was inherent in his, in his depraved sexual demands of her. So he would uh, recruit individuals to have sexual relations with Miss Grant. Uh, two of them directed Miss Grant to visit Defendant Laurinaitis prior to the start of the workday. So in the morning, when he's having his coffee, Miss um, Grant would uh, visit Laurinaitis for sexual encounters and expected and directed Miss Grant to engage in sexual activity at WWE headquarters throughout the workday. So they could just call on her anytime to get their dick sucked. What I don't understand about Vince is you've got all this money. Why don't you just go to like a Heidi Fleiss type character? Get yourself a real fucking nice looking fucking escort. Have, create a shitty fucking role for her in the WWE. And then that's still her job. And then you know that like loose lips sink ships. Nothing will happen if, you are, if you've got this escort there who's like going to be willing to like just fucking suck. I don't think that's her job. I don't think it's as arousing to Vince to take well, an escort, not. to take a prostitute who's regularly engages in this type of sordid behavior. I, I just not, I think it's like that's a given. But taking a you know, a good girl next door type and really sexually humiliating her, I think that gives him a boner. Like if I was Shane McMahon, I'd be like, Dad, why haven't you learned? Like this is your sixth <laughs> time getting caught. Just like learn from your fucking mistakes. Stop stop doing this to regular women. Like get it where it's somebody's profession, chosen profession, you know? I think this is all part of his S&M kind of fantasy. And it got worse. It gets worse. So as... He, as the you know, sexual degradation of Miss Grant was occurring, he's, he stopped calling her Janelle, and he started referring to her as bitch and his fantasy <laughs> oh my God. or his porn star. Occasionally, he would call her baby or girlfriend, and even at one point said he loved her when she was really trying to be like, I'm, I need out of this sexual relationship. But he exercised complete ownership and control over both her personal and professional life. That doesn't work because that's what he's used to doing with people. And he subjected Miss Grant to acts of extreme cruelty and degradation, um, which caused her to disassociate and become numb in reality to survive these horrific encounters. 
So additionally, this complaint details encounters during which McMahon caused Ms. Grant to sustain physical injuries, including bleeding and pain. And this is documented. Like she has hospital records of this. From forceful use of sex toys. So even though he asked her or she asked him repeatedly to stop the sexual activity, the number of sexual encounters increased, not just with McMahon, as well as with other people, as did his physical aggression during them. So notably, McMahon was the most aggressive when using certain sex toys, dildos, that he named after male WWE wrestlers and performers. So McMahon named the sex toys so that the color of the toy matched the race of the wrestler. wrestler. You know he had one called <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. It's like such a good name for a dildo. And if the w- Would that be like in uh, fluorescent colors? You, yeah, obviously. And if the WWF had never fucking gone public and it was still a privately owned company, it would have been such a good like range to come out with. Like I would have wanted all of them. I would have wanted a Stone Cold Steve Austin. That would have been blue, and it would have had a rattlesnake on it. And then the rocks would have had like a would probably the rocks would be like kind of what color of cafe au lait. But then it would be like have Elvis and maybe yeah, some lightning strikes on it. You know? Would you get an Andre the Giant mm. butt plug? I don't. Your brother could handle an Andre the Giant <laughs> butt plug, but I couldn't. So. He had a, uh, a, a black dildo that was named after an African-American wrestler and a white dildo Godfather, that was named after a Caucasian wrestler. And in addition to McMahon's infatuation for pretending Road that dog. other men, and namely certain WWE talent, were in the room with them, this was another incremental step in desensitizing Miss Grant to his fantasy and his demands that she perform sexual acts with other people within the WWE. So during a David versus Goliath type wrestling match in 2019, Miss Grant shared with McMahon her thoughts on the event, the draw of rooting for the underdog and ideas for future events. McMahon complimented her creative input, and she believes that she was being taken seriously until he named a dildo after the smaller wrestler and attempted to sexualize the, sin- sin- <laughs> the situation, <laughs> diminishing any input that she might have had. You know what this is kind of reminding <laughs> me of? You know the fucking amazing movie, uh, Nine and a Half Weeks, with Mickey Rock? Oh, yeah, yeah. This sounds exactly like this, you know, where he's like, they're kind of having a, a kinky relationship to begin with, but then he starts going a bit too far. And she's like, she has to call it quits. This is like this, but not as sexy. Well, I don't know if Mickey Rourke ever did this in nine and a half weeks. I uh, one example of McMahon's extreme depravity was on May 9th, 2020, he defecated on Miss Grant's head during a threesome and then commanded her to continue pleasuring his quote unquote friend with feces in her hair and running down her back, which oh, makes so me it was, think it was, it was diarrhea. It was diarrhea. It was diarrhea. It was probably it had a couple chunks, and there's still feces in her hair, but definitely it was runny. He's, you know, he's on the roids. He's on the, the, the high-end roids. When it happens, you know, when you, it's like speed. Well, <laughs> when you've got to take a shit, you've got to take a shit. But it makes me wonder, what position was he in? So her, his friend... Had it must have been in between his leg, in between her legs, fucking her. So was McMahon just squatting over her face, like getting a rim job? Possibly, yeah. Or she was sucking on his balls. That maybe could be it. She was sucking his cock and balls. Okay, yeah. and then his sphincter was probably on her forehead level. Maybe he just had to fart, and it was a shark. Uh, yeah, never trust a fart, and he trusted it. <laughs> well, he got up and he went to the bathroom and showered off. And upon his return from the bathroom, McMahon and his friend actively resumed the threesome with shit in her hair. 
I imagine having to keep your dick hard because <laughs> if not, McMahon's going to fire you and your whole life will be ruined. It's a lot of pressure. I, this guy could be a pawn star. And this lasted over an hour and a half while Miss Grant remained covered in McMahon's feces. His rear. Wow. <laughs> uh, when McMahon's friend left, McMahon ordered her to stay and continue to sexually gratify him. So... Here's one of the text messages. Oh, yeah. That, these, uh, are, yeah. these are... Am- Can I just point out, one of the things that upset me the most is the way he writes text is like a 15-year-old yeah, boy. Yeah, it's, it's weird because most... Like senior citizens don't write texts, and like most this. senior citizens can barely even text. Whereas he's all open the texts, and it is like a fifteen-year-old boy texting you. So he writes, "I love it. That's you, Janelle. You is in you capitalized. Yeah. You just can't get enough, can you? In the future, it's going to be so bad that you'll demand to be fucked twice a day, and not just with the names redacted here in a three-way." Why not let others see the voluptuous, beautiful body and watch you shake uncontrollably when you come? They'll go out of their minds. Then I'll find more friends and we'll tie you up so you're helpless. You are, instead of you're. I'll direct them to have their way any way they want. Who can make you scream the loudest? And he actually wrote it, screen. Maybe I'll just line them up and have them uh, squirt in your mouth, your pussy, all over your tits and ass, all at the same time. You'll be... B as in like the letter B capitalized, covered in cum, and then we'll make you eat it and taste everybody's cum. The next morning, you'll be a little sore, but you're still going to want more. There are so many listeners who are so turned on right now by yeah. hearing a, a nasally Jewish voice read that out. Yeah, well, I'm, I should do it in a McMahon voice. So in June 2021, McMahon and Atis sexually assaulted Miss Grant in Lauren Anderson's office at WW headquarters while colleagues were just working at their desks. So they went to a locked room, closed the door, and then uh, two men cornered her, pulled her in between them, forcibly touched her before shoving her on top of a table in between them and, and pretty much making her airtight on both sides. Chinese finger cups there. She begged them to stop, but they forced themselves on her, each taking turns restraining her for the other while saying, no means yes, take it, bitch. So people at, at WWE, other executives, totally knew what was going on. I mean, it's kind of, how would you not know this? Yeah, but they don't necessarily know that it's not a consensual relationship. Well, instead of uh, intervening to protect Miss Grant, they just were trying to conceal any of the wrongdoing. Well, I mean, yeah, you can, you can view it in two ways, though. You could be like, we don't really know her and Vince McMahon shags people. Like he shags women staffers. So maybe like she's just shy. She's the flavor of the month. And in a couple of months, she'll be like, she'll be fired. Well, I think all these people would be scared to go up against Vince. Because how can you say something negative about that man? Well, I mean, you could also like just report it to HR and you don't even have to use But I even name. think HR would conceal this because, and, and she did. Like she, she expresses specifically that she wanted to stop the sexual relationship. I know, but I think it's unfair to blame like the other employees who were just sat there who don't know the full situation. I think if it was like your friend and you knew that she'd been raped, then like, wouldn't you go to the, poli- the police? Like, cause I would, I'd be like, my friend got assaulted in the workplace. Like, well, I think unlike Vince, they're impotent, especially when there's shit <laughs> in someone's hair. And uh, I just don't think you could really do anything at this point to go up against that man. I mean, He'd destroy you. So in January 2022, 
McMahon told Miss Grant that his wife had found out about their relationship. And so to avoid divorce, negative publicity and other repercussions, he uh, said, I'm going to have to let you go. But if you sign this NDA, you know, to ensure silence among everything that happened, she's going to get a huge payout. I think that happened a lot. I think, that, I think that happened over the, and, many times over the year. And plus him and Linda weren't even like really together. Like they say that they haven't lived together in over a decade. So it, I, I just think he uses the excuse of Linda, but obviously Linda uh, still has. And Linda has political aspirations as well. So anything like this would be incredibly damaging, maybe more for her. Well, I mean, Janelle has got a lot of evidence. So uh, another text message here. So after the threesomes were going on with McMahon and other executives at the WWE, um, he became more sadistic and his fantasies focused on control, mostly choking sensory deprivation, pain, humiliation, and group sex scenarios. So he wrote to her, regarding your last picture, you are, you need your panties ripped off and three big black dicks in all three holes at the same time. Weigh up your pussy, spelled P-U-S-S-E-Y, and weigh up your ass as far as they will go, but even farther. And the thickest black cock goes down your throat so it makes you gag and convulse as the other black cocks pound away it feels like from the start, you're being assaulted, but it's made you come nonstop. As it would any woman, you know, if you think about it. <laughs> just one continuous constant orgasm. And just before you pass out, those big black dicks squirt their loads of cum inside you. <laughs> Could you imagine writing this to somebody? Well, again, yeah, because we've all sexted. And I think if like you this? haven't sexted... I haven't sexted like this. No, but... Like, that's obviously what he's into. I'm not here to kink shame anyone. If you want to send, say to your partner, I want to see free dildos inside of your holes, filling you with cum, and that's you and their thing, like, there's no kink shame there. Like, fucking go for it. Have all the dildos you want inside of you. In a text. What's different is, is that she doesn't want free (laughs) dildos, and therefore it's rather threatening to be told you're going to have free dildos inside of all your holes. On April 2nd, 2021, um, McMahon told Grant that she should obey if Lord Nanus wanted to bring in other men. He said, maybe he wants two other guys, too, numeral two, to join you with him. Holy shit. You told him you'd do anything with him, so if he surprised you with two others, you would have no alternative no alternative than to take them on. OMG, the stories you could tell me then. It makes me want to come right now. By the way, BTW, I just thought of what I think is an excellent <laughs> idea. Maybe you can hint that if he knows someone who can be discreet, it might be better if you and Johnny try him out first so he can get comfortable before he's introduced to me. Actually, that makes total sense, doesn't it? He sounds like he's on a lot of drugs. You know, it's just like he's had a huge line of cocaine. And, you know, when you just start fucking talking shit, that's what it sounds that's, like. It, it totally does. Well, I think he's just manic. He's probably all hopped up on fucking meth or something. Crazy Vince. So on August 26, 2021, the WWE held its second biggest annual event, SummerSlam, at uh, Las Vegas's Allegiant Stadium. And around this time, McMahon and a WWE superstar who's not named in the lawsuit, but they just say superstar, privately reached an informal agreement over his return. 
We know now, who, who this do you think is. This is? It's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar for sure. Returning I, from the I UFC. I want to say I never liked Brock Lesnar. It was also just another super serious wrestler that wasn't good on the mic. So that night, McMahon texted Miss Grant a reminder that she was an enslaved object to him. He says, "I want to drive you lower and lower, so so low that you will beg me to sell you." <laughs> so I'd be like, please sell me, Daddy. Like I want out of this. McMahon continued to advertise to her a sexual encounter with Miss Grant to this WWE superstar, Brock Lesnar. During the negotiation of the contract to get him back, he says, "Here's what I'm going to assume it's Brock said after I told him part of the deal was fucking you. LOL, that's your turf. She'll be ruined after me and leave your ass. Plus, after me, your tool won't fit anymore." That's what Brock said to, to Vince McMahon. And so McMahon, in December 2021, gave Miss Grant's personal cell phone number to Brock Lesnar and promised she'll do anything requested of her. In the days that followed, Lesnar revealed a fetish to Miss Grant and tested McMahon's promise that she'd do anything with a request to send a video of herself urinating. So he's into golden showers. This just doesn't surprise me about any of the wrestlers. Like, they're all, like, they're worse than rock stars. Like, Motley Crue's The Dirt is nothing compared to the stories of wrestlers. So Miss Grant went numb and obeyed. Um, Brock informed her that if she had not complied with the request, he'd have lost any interest in her and then called her a bitch. <laughs> that same month, Brock expressed to Miss Grant his desire to set a play date and have a sexual encounter. However, a snowstorm changed his travel plans. Oh, thank Christ. And uh, ultimately, she used the weather and COVID-19 as an excuse to back out. I mean, like, because at least you can save events. He's handsome. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, he's shitting on your head, but at least he's handsome. There is nothing sexy about Brock Lesnar. And, like, I would just be like, oh, God, this is the worst thing I have to do. Like, even I would rather have China's elongated, huge testosterone (laughs) clit inside of my mouth. Than Lesnar's cock? Than just Lesnar's cock, yeah. Rest in peace, China. You were phenomenal. (laughs) So WWE has attempted to sweep this matter under the rug. Uh, following media reports that McMahon was involved in a hush money payment scandal, they released a statement in June 2022 to announce that there was a special committee of its board of directors investigating this alleged misconduct. Uh, but in November 22, uh, they looked into the misconduct and they're like, ah, I think everything's fine. Yeah. And Miss Grant was like, stated to them that she had evidence and she would cooperate in this investigation. They never even contacted her. Yeah, they all probably just laughed about it at the Christmas, <laughs> at the Christmas party. That's, yeah, oh, that old Vince again. Yeah, well, Vince up to his shenanigans. <laughs> so through all this trauma, she's, she claims she's endured profound suffering and silence. She's been exploited, lost her security, uh, and she fears, she fears facing the wrath of WWE and McMahon's army of attorneys if she came forward with any of these, these details. But she signed this NDA... And she, they had an agreement, which he reneged upon. So that's why, you know, all this is coming to light yeah. right now. Because I think she feels that she's owed some money here, which obviously is not coming. So TKO, you know, claims that McMahon now, so now Ari Emanuel is the CEO of TKO. And he said after this whole assault and these abuse lawsuits, he said they're totally distancing themselves from McMahon. They said he doesn't control TKO, nor does he oversee any of the day-to-day operations of the WWE. And while this matter predates our TKO executive team's tenure at the company, we take Ms. Grant's horrific allegations very seriously and are addressing this matter internally. So what's interesting, though, about the timing of all this is this latest suit 
against McMahon was filed just over 48 hours after it was announced that TKO made a 10-year, $5 billion deal with Netflix. So they're going to start streaming WWE's Monday Night Raw. On Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're tr- they've got to protect their product. And I imagine it was a case of we either fire you or you have to leave. But there's no way that Vince is not still got fingers in that pie. There's He's just no be. way. Of but, course. So even the what, the 37th Royal Rumbles this weekend, um, that's going to happen, but Vince McMahon's not going to be involved at all. As well as uh, The Rock is actually joining TKO's board of directors. I did see that. So it's, it, it's interesting timing on this. Now, whether or not anything will happen, I mean, that remains to be determined, but... I think I highly doubt much it. like Michael Jackson, a lot of money has been paid out over the years to, to settle people, to yeah. set, to make settlements. And I think Vince McMahon, you know, has a history of this. He has a track record of uh, weaseling. Spending, yeah. Weaseling out. Same with Trump. I mean, yeah. Trump just, that's the thing. We're in a political, this post me Too era where powerful men like Harvey Weinstein, Donald Trump with this Carroll lawsuit, $83 million, whether or not he pays it. I mean, that remains to be seen, but Juries are convicting these powerful men. This isn't a criminal trial. It's a civil trial. She has a lot of evidence. I think McMahon's going to have to pay a lot of money. He might, but I, I do just think he'll like weasel his way out of it because that's what he's done his whole fucking life. And I just, I just think that's what's going to happen. We were talking about this before. Like, It just feels like a Vince McMahon storyline because I grew up with like evil, crazy Vince. And this is just like another evil, crazy Vince story. It's not like, you know even though like Harvey Weinstein was like an animal when that happened, you also weren't surprised. It's like, Oh, a film producer getting actresses on his sofa to give them roles. You know, it's a stereotype for a reason. And this is just like another, it just feels like, Oh, it's another crazy Vince story. I think you're undermining it a bit. I think the virality of these, these allegations, I mean, everybody's talking about him taking a shit on a woman's head. I think this is given a glimpse and insight into his, his sexuality, his character. But I'm saying that doesn't shock me though, because you didn't grow up. I think a lot of up. people are shocked. No, people who didn't grow up or watch wrestling or watch the Attitude Era will be shocked. People like me who have grown up watching Raw is War, of seeing Vince, we, none of us are shocked. <laughs> like this is just like, this is something he would 100% do. So you, when you were younger, do do. you're like, he's the type of guy that's going to, that would take a shit on a woman's head and force her into threesomes with, uh, with other men. Well, I mean, the shit thing is salacious, but like, I can just, I, it's easy to imagine him doing all of this. It's not, it's not a stretch. Like, where is Harvey Weinstein having a really deformed dick that smelled like a sewer? You know, you're like, oh, wow, that is a bit like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think he's just one of those many billionaires who think he just can, can destroy people's lives with impunity. And I hope he gets his comeuppance, just like Trump. But what's interesting about this lawsuit, it does raise questions about the culture at WWE. I mean, they Not really actively again. work to conceal McMahon's wrongdoing. Yeah, and they've concealed tons of wrestling. So it calls into question the the organization's basic tenets. So I wonder, you know, I wonder if this will be a turning point that will affect WWE's future and bring a time when like exploitation might be unacceptable for people. I wonder if this will change the corporate culture at that company. It's like I said before, all wrestlers, they're worse than Motley Crue. They're worse than all other rock stars. I mean, 
I was thinking about this. I was generally trying to think of a wrestler that hasn't had something shady happen to him. Because even Stone Cold has allegations that he hit well, his I mean, ex-wife. A lot of professional athletes. I mean, look at boxers, exactly. look at NFL players. So it's never, as long as but, they're on roids and the they're fact, all doing things to mush up their brains, it's going to happen. But the fact that it's concealed and covered up makes the company complicit in the sexual misconduct. So I'm interested to see what happens. What I want to believe is that Vince McMahon takes a shit on women's heads. That's what I want. I That's believe the only it. thing I want to, I want to hold true. And if you, they can prove it, if there's a picture, then, uh, then I'll be a happy man. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised that Vince McMahon's into scat. Anyway, people, this is episode 930 here, Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a couple of phone calls here to get to. People, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline at 323-522-4032, or just uh, record an MP3 and email it to us, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. So the first call here is from, I think, a relatively new listener, Shelly. Oh, nice. Yeah, talking about a Tinder date. Hi, this is Shelly. Um, I wanted to tell you guys a story about my very first and my last <laughs> Tinder date. Um, we both had dogs, so we decided to go to a dog park, and I pick him up. And I- It's a very, like, just wholesome Tinder date. I can confirm, uh, Shelly has posted pictures of a dog on the Discord, and he is very cute. What kind of dog? He's like a snuffly dog. He's like a... What does that mean? Like a big big kind of hound i'm not quite sure like a big dog he's just not huge medium size he's like a hound like a saint bernard no he's like a hound what's a hound like how big's a hound like well hounds like a labrador because like, like labrador. even even a whippet no again that's not a hound hounds are working dogs even a the sight dog like a german shepherd um is a working dog but it's not a hound oh, jesus christ all right <laughs> so say she's got a hound a cute hound um but it's a very wholesome thing to do instead of like uh you know being like because when I went on Tinder dates, I'd be like, I'll meet you at the bar. Because if we could drink together and have a good time, well, chances are I'm probably going to get laid. But also, if we drink together and have a good time, I'd you know, probably want to hang out with you more. But that's interesting to do a date during the day. This is like going out for a cup of coffee. Yeah, I think this is a good date as well. Because if you see how they act with their dog and how their dog reacts to them, I think is like would give you a, like, a really good reading of the person. What if their dog starts fucking your dog? Oh, it's just like a horn dog. What is that? I mean, I just wonder what that means, symbolically. Well, it depends if he would be like, get down, Buster, or if he was just like, yeah, he does that. Would you be like, when in Rome? <laughs> I'd be like, well, I let Chi-Chi hold my arm, so. In the driver's seat, and he's in the passenger seat, and my dog is in the back, but he's like got his head up between the two seats, Aww. and all of a sudden, he just starts yakking, and he throws up one of my like fully soaked bloody disgusting tampons like right in the cup holder uh, and i just panic and like grab it like just bare fist it toss it out the window but he saw it definitely 
And Wait, this who? So it's his car. No, it's her car. She's oh, her driving. car. All right, all right. Because if this like gross, you know, vomited up tampon landed on like my seats, I'd be like, oh my god, we we have to go and get this cleaned. Why? It's just a period. What are you so fucking scared? I don't of? want my seat stained with period blood. It's not gonna be stained. How do you know? Because I'll clean it. It's got dog barf, period blood. I'd be like, uh, yeah, my dog ate my fucking bloody tampon. It must have tasted amazing. I would be like, date's over. You're ragging anyway. So I'm going to go <laughs> drop you off. Um, I did not get a second date after that. So, and, it, and it's not the first time that he had swallowed uh, disgusting things. He has swallowed my roommate's used condoms. And I know because I had to pull it out of his ass. Yeah. Uh, he... Jesus, your dog's worse than Vince McMahon. <laughs> he just likes <laughs> minging things. You know, it, I've had several girlfriends before that have had dogs that like to eat tampons. Yeah. That's yeah. actually kind of common. Yeah, totally. So it's, just, it's just gross. Then pass it. He eats all my underwear. Like, not just the crotch. Like, he doesn't just eat the crotch part out. He swallows the whole hair. <laughs> Your dog is a sex pest. Like Your dog is a sex pest. In a past life, he was a sex pest. I, I do. I definitely think so. I think you're onto something there. Um, that is funny though. That he would like. Maybe you should wash your panties a little more thoroughly. <laughs> what are you trying I'm to say? I'm just saying he's probably just like, oh, there's some clam chowder. Like he's smelling something. So maybe that's why he's eating the panties. I think this dog is is related to you somehow. <laughs> this is like something you would do. Wear in his shit before it is truly disgusting. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask, do an ask Kate as well, and ask her what she would have done in that situation. Um, but thank you guys, uh, love you so much, and keep it sick, keep it wrong. Bye. She's I don't cute. Have, I don't have the music, but uh, for the ask Whatever. Kate segment, no, but, it's fine. Right. Nobody wants music <laughs> that no one knows the show isn't from. <laughs> um, well, I, in my mind, I would like to think I'd be like, what's your problem with it? All women bleed. But yeah, I probably would have been proper. It would have been lagful, as we say in Cumbria. Would you have been mortified? Um, I would have done the exact same thing. I would have just grabbed it and thrown out the window. But the fact that he's like, I'm not going to call you back, I think is a bit fucking childish. Because yeah, women have periods. And if you're going to overreact to like a dog throwing up a tampon, like you're a little bit, a little bit cunty. All right, would have been, what would have been worse? Or what would you have been more embarrassed about? If the dog threw up a tampon or if the dog threw up like three condoms? <laughs> and then you'd be like, they're not mine. They're, not they're my mine. roommates, I yeah, swear. I, I swear. At least I'm being safe, right? And they're magnums. They're not like the normal oh, condoms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the condoms would be funnier, but definitely not a callback. But yeah, the fact the guy was like, oh, he saw a tampon and now he's afraid. She can do way better. Like if a man is scared by a bloody tampon. That guy's squeamish. Yeah, I mean, fuck him. Yeah, it's like... Newsflash, women get periods, all right? And it's a good thing, actually. Because if they're not getting a period, but, well, there's something, there's some <laughs> trouble brewing. This is the type of dog where you could employ him at an abortion, at an abortion agency and just be like, you're going to eat all the fetuses today, aren't you? Aren't you? And he would. He would sit there and he would eat them. You know what I think would be great about this dog is he could sniff out the slag. So if you go to the bar, he could be like, just let him go and be like, I'm going to sit next to that one. He's like the Jojo of dogs. He's kind of like the Jojo of dogs, yeah. Well, thank you, Shelly. I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about your dog. <laughs> we want to know what kind of dog it is anyway. He looks like a hound. He looks like a hound, okay. Kind of pit bully hound. All right, interesting. 
Uh, the second call we have here is a guy referencing the most recent serial killer star signs episode, oh. which is, I think, about Capricorns, right? Uh, yeah, but the Capricorn, uh, I'm sorry to all the Capricorns. Maybe he means Sagittarius, whatever. Hey, DK. So I'm listening to the serial killer star signs Capricorn episode, and it's cool. But it's cool. It, it reminds me of the star sign Capricorn. Because I've had a couple of uh, Capricorn girlfriends, and uh, one of them, the Jewish one, she, very early in the relationship, said to me, I'm worried that I might be too nasty for you. And uh, I just, all I could say to her was, you just do whatever you want, and I'll let you know if you hit my stop button. And she never did. So, one thing she did do, lick my balls. You guys, too. See ya. <laughs> oh, my God, an awesome call. Yeah, but did you shard on her while she was licking your balls? And then that might have triggered off the Capricorn. Yeah, I wonder if that would have triggered her stop button. I can confirm that Capricorns can be very nasty because my dad uh, was a Capricorn, and when, when he was on it, he made women cry. Like, he made his best friend cry on numerous occasions. And in public, he's made me cry in public because he just But not in a sexual way. No, in, like, an emotional abuse way. Like, he knows, he knew exactly what to say that it would be very veiled triggering. And then you would just go off on one. Like, he was a master of manipulation. Like, emotional manipulation. When was your dad's uh, birthday? Uh, December the 28th. Okay, yeah, you, my brother's December 21st. So what is that, Capricorn? Your brother's a Sag. I thought that was Capricorn. No, your brother's a Sagittarius. He likes to fucking party. He does. Sagittarians he does. are like party animals. Like everyone loves themselves a Sag. But I do love them um, Capricorns because they're very, like, Capricorns are really messed up people. <laughs> like they're really funny. <laughs> um, it's funny. I don't even know if I want to hear what this guy's stop button would be. Well, if she never reached it. I mean, it's, it's hard to, like, uh, reach it. She probably was like, yeah, I'm really nasty because I'm Jewish. But I'd be like, oh, well, there's plenty of jokes I could make about you to make you cry if we want to start that game. It is Holocaust Remembrance Day. I think mine is kind of veering towards the scat diaper area. What? So, like, if a girl said, I want you to wear a diaper, I want you to shit in it, and then I want to watch you eat it, you'd be like, I'm not doing that. That would be my stop button right there. Actually, my stop button would be a little before that. Mine would be too. <laughs> before not being... the eating shit. I think once you start having to buy, like, props to even <laughs> get um, sexually attractive, like, you need to, like, be re- re- reeling it back to the simpler times. I think that's when, you know, you should give up pornography, maybe just get an old Victoria's Secret catalog and just, you know, take it, really take it back. I, I think you're trying too hard at that point. Yeah. But, hey, you know what? If that's your thing and you're good giving game and you're both consenting adults and want to engage in that type of deplorable activity, more power to you. Put some crushed up leaves inside of her. Um, people you can call the signal hotline 323-522-4032 once again thank you to all the listeners who support us on Patreon and Apple Podcasts we do appreciate you helping us uh, keep the show going and it really is it is your efforts here that uh, keep us doing it every week Uh, that's patreon.com slash sick and wrong go check it out even sign up for like a you know month and uh, see all the content there 
Uh, also, if you want to buy some merch, uh, we got a couple new designs over at the Sick and Wrong store on TeePublic. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop and click on the picture of the Pope. And Sick and Wrong Song of the Week, I found a, a, a very appropriate one. Um, you know the, uh, the, the rap, I guess, Ensemble D12? I love when you suggested this song to me earlier and you were like, have you ever heard of D12? You said it like a granddad. Have you ever heard of D12? Well, I meant, have you heard of this song by D12? Because I don't have this album. I wonder, like, cause they have fucking tons of albums. They went on D12, this like, is their, never I think stopped. this is their first. Oh, Devil's, I defi- Devil's Night. I definitely would have heard it then. Because, like, when um, Purple Pills uh, dropped. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a, a huge big, That was a huge hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So D12 stands for the Dirty Dozen. It uh, was an American hip-hop collective from Detroit. Uh, formed in 96, the group achieved mainstream success with its lineup of de facto leader Eminem, Proof, uh, Bizarre, Mr. Porter, Caniva, and Swifty McVeigh. Uh, so we're going to end the show here with this song, Shit On You, from their, uh, their album Devil's Night, which came out in 2001. Um, in addition to dedicating this one to Vince, Mc- Vince McMahon, uh, who I think could personally relate to this song, I want to dedicate this one to the San Francisco 49ers, who will hopefully get shit on by the Detroit Lions tomorrow. Oh, my God. <laughs> People, we'll be back next week with episode 931. Till then, take it sleazy. I'll sit on you. 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 I will shit. I'll sit on you. You know, I'll sit on you. Bitch, woman, I'll sit on you. I remain fatter than gluttony, taping bombs on the back of record companies. Blow them up if they ain't want me. The National Guards, they scared of hunting me. I love beef, I got you hoes ducking me. I drug thief, bitch, I take your marijuana. These slugs that keep your ass away from my corner. I drown niggas in 100 degree saunas. You can act a fool if you wanna. This is lyrical piranha. Strapped with a grenade in the pool with your mama. I tackle by the legs and I pull it to the bottom. Switch nothing up like a condom. Slapping if you fuckers got a problem. When I see him, you hoes in the nup in the fucking mausoleum. Are hitting in the trunk of a black and gold beam Pulling a garage while you screaming Keep the motor on, then I'm leaving I'll I shit on you I'ma keep eating till Richard Simmons comes to my house with a chainsaw to cut me out. My fucking wife, I had sex since I met her. Too busy fucking a 12 year old babysitter. And all women ain't shit. Only good for cooking, cleaning, and sucking dick. And that's it. I'm responsible for killing John Candy. Got a job by name Ramsey, my 98 Camry. I don't give a fuck who you are. I show anybody truly yours the idiotic bizarre. My adolescent years weren't shit to what I do now. I never grew up. I was born grown and grew down. The older I get, the dumber the shit I get in. The more ignorant the incident is, I fit in. 
Ignoring the shit? How boring it gets when it's slowing the hit. I don't know when the quit throwing the fit. I know I'm a bit flaky, but they make me. It's they who wake me and say they can take me. It's they whose legs I break and make achy. It's they who mistake me, make me so angry. I shit on you. I spit on you. Start pissing and do the opposite on you. You aren't listening. I set up cop a squat on you. Start spilling my guts like chicken corn on blue. And straight shit like notorious big did to that bitch on that skit on his last album. Pull my pants down. I shit on you. Pride still alive? If not, I'm sicker than he was prior to him dying. Born brainless, this still ain't stainless. Your blood stains all over the steel, god dang it. Bitch, bring it. These niggas that I hang with, I hang you up naked by your ankles, dang. My need I stay strangling, I don't need your help. If you won't give me the pussy, I'll loosen my belt. I'm what your daddy's not, your mom's kinda cop. Your sister's team crush, your aunt's a flyer box. Buck 50, cross your neck, plus your tech, I beat you with a cross your chest. Yo, it's only right I jack your car keys and run. Spent all of my advancements on weed and guns. For fun, when I'm drunk, I run the truck through the weed house. Jump out and beat your peeps down worse than Steve's house. Put you in chokeholds, I learned last week from the policeman who caught me stealing weed from his Jeep. I see hoes biting, y'all don't wanna brawl, that's like Debo fighting, Peebo Bryson. Fuck what you hollering and yelling about. I'll reach in your mouth to pull your fucking skeleton out. Niggas get hit with a two-piece, bling bling, with a poisonous thing. I'm such a violent thing. Once I get on two, hits a X, my disc slips and disconnects. Till I walk around this bitch with a twisted neck, but still sit on the first bitch who disrespects. Overreaction is my only reaction, which only sets off a chain reaction. It puts five more zaniacs and maniacs in action. A rat pack and black jackets who pack tape. Nine millimeters, five criminals pulling needles and spilling liters of blood like swimming pools. Shites the individual who shoot at bitches too. A lot of people say misogynistic, which is true. I don't deny it, matter of fact, I stand by it. So please stand by it to start up a damn right. If you don't want to get stampeded, then stand quiet. Boy, girl, dog, woman, man, child. I'll shit on you. shit on you. I don't care who you are. I'll shit on you. I don't give a fuck about you or your car. I'll shit on fuck you. Fuck your house, fuck your jewelry, and fuck your house. I'll shit on you. I will fuck your wife if you fuck with me. I'll shit on you. You heard me. Bitch, I'll shit on you. Yeah!